Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Todd, and Dude. Yo, yo, yo. That guy was right. This is the Album Nerds Podcast. I'm Dude. I got Andy and Don with me. Andy, how the hell you doing, my man? Are you pumped for uh, today's show? What's up, buddy? Yeah, 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 man. I'm, uh, I'm excited to come back to... Uh 2001 on the show today. Yeah, I can't say that I was at first, but uh, I got there. How about you, Don? How are you feeling about it? Uh, I'm okay. Uh, I'll confess that I was not anxious to to hop into the DeLorean to go back to the to that time. And once again, we're back <laughs> to the future. Okay, so as you may have guessed, we're talking about music from the year 2001. The twist is that these albums had to have had a top 40 single on the uh, Billboard Top 40 charts in the year 2001. So with that being said, let's get moving. We have a great show for you today. Uh, so we'll each be talking about an album, we'll be answering a question, and then at the end of the show we'll spin the Wheel of Musical Destiny once again to find out just how she's going to torture us <laughs> with these choices that we have to make. But it's time to talk 2001. That's what I'm talking about! The most memorable events from 2001 were, uh, of course, the September 11th attacks uh, and then the beginning of the, the war in Afghanistan. Uh, but that year also brought us the launch of Wikipedia, the Xbox, iTunes, and the film Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. We're each going to be discussing an album that includes a, a U.S. Top 40 single in the year 2001. This Top 40 thing. I mean, year 2001 would have been hard enough because we already did the year 2000 and things are very adjacent. The top 40 forced me to look at things I would not have. Shout out to the uh, top40weekly.com. It had all the archives of all the top 40 songs from every week of every year. So scoured through that, and it was a jungle, gentlemen. How was your experience? Yeah, I barely made it out alive, man. <laughs> <laughs> I lived to tell the tale. There was a lot, a lot of questionable stuff going on at this time period, especially in popular music. There were some things that hopefully we pulled out a few that are a little bit above the above the pack here, but I mean, I listened to Madonna's music that came out that year, the album about music called Music, and uh, Dido, so I kind of enjoyed her record, New Angel. Uh, Incubus was really back, popular back then. They had a couple of records in this time period that were top of the charts. And then, uh, yeah, Dude turned me on to a record that actually I've been enjoying, didn't pick for the show, but uh, from Maxwell. You were going to mention that one, buddy, but that was also pretty good. Uh, called Now. I, I think what made it difficult was that we were doing top 40 singles. I think if we had done top 40 albums, it would have been easier because I think there would have been stuff, you know, like I think there was a Pearl Jam record and the Depeche Mode and stuff. Um, but, you know, a lot of those albums didn't have singles that were that were on the charts. So that really that made it a, a challenge. So, yeah, you know, I, I listened to the Madonna record and I, I thought it was it was OK. I always kind of liked that that five for fighting record uh, that had that, that Superman song on it. I always kind of, you know, it was sort of like yeah. an adult contemporary thing. Um, so I did. Question. <laughs> Question. Does the guy sing like this on every song or just that song? Um, no, pretty much all of them. Okay. And he's, it's, there's no band. It's just him, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, really? I, th I assumed it was five guys. <laughs> <laughs> no? No, no, no. Apparently he's a big hockey fan. Because oh, you get five, five minutes in the, in if, the box. If ever I heard hockey music, that is hockey <laughs> music. <laughs> Very aggressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was crossing my fingers. You weren't going to pick that one, man. 
yeah, so 2001, the music industry by this point had really figured out how to package things. You know, you had your, your hard rock acts like Creed and, and Limp Bizkit that were perfectly marketed and all the boy band stuff that was perfectly marketed and the dance tracks and, you know, looking at the top 40 charts in particular made it clear of, of the similarities of the stuff that was popular. There wasn't a lot that seemed genuine. It all seemed like record companies had gotten their hooks into it. So we found some good stuff though, and we're going to talk about it right now. You choo choo choose me? All right, I'm going to kick things off here with, uh, hip-hop record from the year 2000, October of that year, uh, from Outkast and their album Skank On Ya. We are going to play that that top 40 single, coming in at number five. There's a little bit of uh, Miss Jackson. You guys remember hearing that little ditty on the, uh, on the radio stations? I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I was all over the place. Actually peaked at number one on February 17th of 2001. A couple other singles off this record that also did make the charts. But yeah, this is their fourth studio album for the Atlanta-based hip-hop duo of Andre Lauren Benjamin, a.k.a. Andre 3000, Antoine Andre Patton, a.k.a. Big Boy. So this album was recorded in their own studio, which was called Skankonia. One interesting thing about the recording process, supposedly they didn't listen to any hip-hop for the year that they spent recording this record, and instead pulled inspiration from bands such as Jimi Hendrix, Little Richard, Prince, and George Clinton. They were focused on creating a new sound for hip-hop, kind of in the in the new millennium here. And uh, yeah, I think that's what they did. My, uh, my three words are future hip-hop milestone, uh, just commenting on sort of the futuristic vibe that this record has as well as sort of foundational i guess it would become for what would become like mainstream hip-hop in like the 2000s uh, already a very popular or increasingly popular genre at the time this album kind of like cemented it in my opinion in in our pop culture guys what did you think of skankonia uh, well, the the three words I chose were uh, actually I stole them from a, a reviewer at at All Music because uh, I don't have any original thoughts. <laughs> it, it's uh, techno psychedelic funk. There you go. I kind of like that uh, description of it musically. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's progressive hip hop. I, I guess I, I think we've kind of gotten tastes of that. You know, throughout the the hip hop records we've done. You know, I think De La Soul was was kind of going in in that direction. And Jurassic Five had some some progressive elements to it as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's a it's a huge I don't know kind of exploration of of genres. And there's definitely I mean it's definitely psychedelic. Uh, you know, it's I think it it's highly connected to to drug culture. I think, but uh, it's it's funky uh, and it has a, a lot of electronic sounds in it. It's uh, yeah, it's quite adventurous. And um, yeah, I dig it. Well, well, well. If it isn't my turn. The three words I chose to describe this album were epic southern hip funk. Hip funk. Because it's funk. it's different than hip hop a little bit. I mean, there's a lot, most, you know, 90% of the elements are there, but the way that Andre 3000 in particular 
used his voice and did all that, that George Clinton style warbly intonations and stuff. I just heard the spirit of it throughout, which was, that's impressive to be able to do and pull off throughout the whole album. So uh, one of my favorites on here is uh, So Fresh and So Clean, which I think is the same for many people. Uh, just reading up on it, it does feature a sample, Funkadelics, I'll Stay. Oh, so there is oh, there's a little there bit is something there. there. <laughs> Not surprising. It's a lot to chew. That's why I said epic, because it's yeah. freaking huge. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's got the skits, which... I didn't find very useful. Some of them were kind of funny, but I didn't find them to draw the songs together or tell a story in any way. And Andy, you tell me if I missed something. You missed something. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> no, I, the skits, I guess. Let's we'll talk about that for a second. Um, it's a long record. I think that's, I mean, we we're kind of talking offline about just how that's kind of a symptom of the, the time it seems to be. They're filling up this like, 72 or four minute cd and this one packs everything on there but the kitchen sink so the skits i think kind of help break that up a little bit they're all pretty short i think they're funnier than most hip-hop skits in my experience and they kind of tie into the next song so i would i would say these are above average in terms of hip-hop skits in my opinion but i know everybody likes that Kind of. I guess I'm kind of bored by the idea. <laughs> you know, I just, I mean, I, I guess it's sort of a hip hop standard so over it. to to have, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, to have these little vignettes in between songs. But I don't know. I mean, at some point, you, I think you move on and do something else. <laughs> so one thing that dude mentioned was Andre 3000's vocal styling. He was really changing him up a lot on this record as they were recording. He started to become bored with approach to rapping and kind of took on like this, what I would call like hip hop crooning. It is, it is very much kind of in that uh, parliament style. So why don't we play a cut here where he takes on that sort of sing-songy rap delivery. This is a little bit of humble mumble. It's Andre with uh, Erica Badu. Doing uh, the verse and the the chorus there, two different styles. Pretty pretty cool. I think it works well here. He really would go on to develop the sound even more on their next record, uh, Speaker Box. Pretty cool stuff. I, I I'm not like his biggest fan of Andre. I guess I kind of always liked Big Boy's material better, but he definitely has a pretty unique style. And I think the two of them together work really well. Kind of like working off each other's different approach to the southern sound. I have to go Team Andre. I'm sorry. I just think he's more sonically interesting. So yeah. we might have to we might have to make this an official beef. <laughs> Don, you want to be a tiebreaker? Andre or Big Boy? Um hmm. No, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna remain neutral. <laughs> <laughs> well uh elbnerds.com slash discord to check out our diss tracks that we're are inevitably coming out. <laughs> inevitably. Oh my gosh, start a war. Yeah, we don't want to do that. <laughs> All right, so the other, the other notable difference between this and some of their earlier work was they really doubled down on this like futuristic sound, as I was saying, but also they really cranked up the, the beats per minute on this record. Uh, some of the tracks are just insanely quickly paced. One of them in particular is another one of the singles that came later in 2001, I believe, Bombs Over Baghdad. Let's play a little bit of that. Funny, it's like right at that point where it's almost too fast to be able to dance to. 
Yeah, it's like uh, when you're a kid and you had those little 80s Casio keyboards that had the built-in beats and you could make it yeah, speed it up. That was about as fast as it got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Song's about 155 BPM, which is, yeah, I mean, Big Boy keeps right up with that beat somehow. Yeah, he's so articulate. Both of them are just right on the beat on most of these tracks here. Um, yeah, so they did end up winning a Grammy uh, for Best Rap Album for this record, as well as Best Rap Performance for Miss Jackson. I was saying, this was a pretty pretty influential record in terms of hip-hop, hip-hop culture, or I guess mainstream hip-hop culture in the U.S. I don't know, today I think it holds up pretty well. Um, I mean, I am happy that I, I do think the charts got this one right. I mean, I think one thing we, I mean, perhaps, I mean, you could argue that it's always been the case, but I, I feel like at some point in my life, I realized that the, that the charts don't necessarily have a lot to do with merit or, you know, particularly like artistic merit or something. But I think in, in this case, I mean, you have like a, a genre expanding record and it also had, you know, gigantic commercial success. They opened the door for Goody Mob and a bunch of other groups that existed before as well to the Southern Atlanta rap style and the kind of hippie funkness, you know, that uh, they drew in. It, it, it changed the trajectory of popular music, and that's uh, a big deal. So, yeah, Don makes an excellent point there. Uh, yeah, so Outkast, Skank on, yeah, definitely uh, a milestone, uh, I think, in hip-hop and, and, I guess, pop culture in general. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. It's time to ask ourselves a question. Microsoft released the Xbox in 2001. Did you play video games in 2001? Do you still? Discuss. Video games. How we? I don't think we've ever talked about video games on the podcast somehow. Mm-mm. Weird. I don't really play a lot of video games. Um, 2001, definitely not. I was in college. But nowadays, I do play a little bit. Um, I've been playing some uh, Diablo, which actually I think was from 2001. Pretty fun game from that time period. Other than that, I just play like uh, chess and kind of get into some nostalgic games from my childhood. Like Super Nintendo, like the early to mid-90s time period. It's kind of fun going back to some of that stuff. Um, But yeah, I'm not a huge huge gamer. Don? Well, yeah, I've... I've played video games uh, throughout my life and definitely in, in 2001 well I was I was living with dude uh, at the time and I think we had the the Dreamcast so we were playing some fun games on that like NFL 2K or something I think Dreamcast didn't have Madden and so I think we were playing right. the the NFL 2K so I've always liked sports games a lot um these days I mean I don't I don't have a lot of time to play video games or I mean I I probably have time but I choose to watch TV or or something or stare at my phone. But so when I do play video games I like to play some of the retro stuff. I have like this modern Atari system that has a lot of old games on it. So I'm playing like the Centipede from the 2600 <laughs> and and Do you uh, like one of those redesigned like futuristic? Yeah. 2600s. Yeah, it's called the Atari VCS. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Like so cool. Yep. And yeah, so I'm playing lots of asteroids. And what's kind of cool is you can play asteroids, like the arcade version. You can play the 2600 version, the 5200 and the 7800. So you can kind of play the evolution of it. So different, I imagine. Yeah, like five or six different ways to spin in a circle and hit (laughs) one button. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't really play like the Call of Duties or any of those real involved things. (laughs) I, uh, I do play games. Not as much as I used to, but I, I grew up uh, Atari 2600, so I'm an old man, 
even Pong before that at people you know, friends' houses. Oof. But uh, 2001, yeah, we uh, Don and I living together. We also had uh, PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And I liked playing Madden because he was always the Cowboys. And I was always, I think I was the Buccaneers because they had a good oh, defense. Yeah. And we'd play whole seasons, right, where we'd progress through. And my favorite thing to do after, at this time, after uh, play was over, like let's say he got a touchdown, you could run your guy into the end zone and tackle <laughs> the dude still. So I would do that every time. And one time I uh, he was using Emmett Smith, and I tackled Emmett Smith, and he was out for the rest of the season. And Don oh, reset the game so that the season was flushed. <laughs> Not like my little sister. Man. But, yeah, I mean – I play uh, I play games still with my you know my nephews online. I have a Xbox, whatever it is, and you know it's fun. But yeah, I play a little Halo, blah blah blah. But only a few hours a week. It's not like a big part of my life. What about all y'all out there, video gamers? What do you like playing? Did you have an Xbox in two thousand one? Let us know. Albumnerds.com slash discord. It could be a long distance dedication because it's yeah. yeah. You're like, dear Casey, my father. <laughs> was very abusive. <laughs> and when I hear Stained, I want to kill him. <laughs> Thanks for playing Stained. It's been a while. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so my pick, my uh, top 40 hit from the uh, from 2001 uh, is from a rock band called Stained, spelled S-T-A-I-N-D. Um, this is their, their fourth album called Break the Cycle. Biggest hit on that album, uh, reached uh, number five on the, the top 40 charts, was uh, It's Been a While. So here's a clip of that. With your deep cuts, <laughs> yeah, that song was so pervasive at yeah, that time. Oh my gosh! So, uh, "Break the Cycle" uh, released in May 2001 is the the third album from Stained, uh, formed in Springfield, Massachusetts, in 1995. It includes vocalist and lyricist and guitarist Aaron Lewis, uh, also uh, guitarist uh, Mike Mushak, bassist Johnny April, and uh, drummer John w- Wasaki. The three words I, I chose to describe the album are a few good hooks. I'll confess that I don't love this album, <laughs> but there is, uh, I, I think there's some potential in this band and I think there's, there's some, some good moments. Uh, and I, I, I do think they have a, a knack for writing kind of hooky choruses, you know, just that little change from the, the verse to the, to the chorus often stands out. And I, I think that's why, I mean, these songs, you know, dominated rock radio for, for a couple of years. What are your thoughts on Stained? Well, it's been a while since I've listened to this. Hey, you. (laughs) I've never actually heard the whole album before. I mean, I I worked at a record store at this time, heard these songs a lot. (laughs) It's Um, traumatized. It's it's good. I mean, it's not Ainhoff, but it's good. My three words were, Fred was right. So Fred Durst signed these guys when they were a super heavy band and worked his new metal magic to help sort of shape them and give them the attention that they needed to break big, and they did. And um, these songs are well-written. The vocals are more varied than I thought. Some of that ripping throat sound stuff that he's doing, it's not all, I'm sad. (laughs) But he does the I'm sad really well. He's sad. I remember, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, he, he's, hurt, he's hurting inside. He's a country artist now. 
no surprise. Is that true? Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Several albums. Yeah. Uh, they're they're decent. You know, he sounds like him, but you know, kind of like Darius Rucker was able to keep his mm-hmm. sensibilities and be a country artist. So has Aaron Lewis. But uh, I saw them around this time at a Family Values tour, and they performed really well. And that's a I don't see a lot of bands, especially ones that I'm not a huge fan of, but. I was impressed by their ability to play like they should sound. So, yeah, all in all, it was uh, long. Again, 2001, album's too long, but it was a good record. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I was expecting to poop all over this one, and I, and I certainly will. <laughs> uh, it was generally not... You just won't, you're not going to smear yeah, it. That's, so rub it in quite as much. Okay. Yeah. You don't want to leave a stain. <laughs> oh! oh. Uh, yeah, my, my three words are Creed for Kids, meaning that I felt like this was really geared towards like that disaffected like teenager or maybe like preteen who is like sitting in their bedroom and you know, is angry at the world. This is like right up their alley for sure. And it's it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Like it's pretty catchy. I found myself banging my head or to this, not banging my head, nodding my head slowly in a sad way. Yeah, you're a little old for banging your head. <laughs> Yeah, it was not terrible. Okay, well, uh, uh, here's you know one of my favorite moments uh, on the on the album. Uh, nice little hook here. Uh, this is for you. I uh, I pretty much hate this era of of rock and roll. But I guess I always like these guys a little better than like Limp Biscuit. Maybe just I, I like the the darkness of it. I mean, there's definitely anger in it, but it's maybe a little more melancholy, which which you know, as you know, I, I tend to gravitate to. I'd say the the lyrics are just maybe a, a bit too on the nose or, or trite, which is why it probably. I mean, I think it definitely appeals to a pubescent, you know, angry or sad, lonely male. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, you know, it's always raining in my head, you know, come on. Right, uh, right. <laughs> uh, so he's it, just a, you know, a little too obvious sometimes, but I, I, you know, I definitely think he's a, he's a talented songwriter. I like that line. <laughs> <laughs> I think if he had cooler friends, like f- somebody cooler than Fred Durst or something, I think maybe Stain could have been better. <laughs> wow. It all comes back to Fred Durst, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I liked the the band too, yeah. the guitar work, the, like a lot of that new metal, quang, that corn sounding yeah. guitar sound that all these bands started doing. And that's kind of the thing. I mean, what are you gonna do, right? You're a rock band, you're a heavy metal band. It's this. This is what people were looking for at the time. So you add some of those those elements, you know, uh, much like happened in the grunge era shortly before this. Uh, so I don't hold anything against them for leaning into trends. You know, I, I think that the hard rock songwriting is solid. Yeah. And it's, uh, I guess maybe a bit more accessible than, than other kind of darker metal groups at the time, like Korn and uh, maybe like Deftones. You know, I, I think this is maybe the more mainstream version of, of that. Yeah. I also appreciated there was no rapping. That's true. Yeah. It's not really new metal. I was surprised that there were a few moments that were a little bit heavier and uh, faster, more like a, it's a traditional metal, but more like a, Less grungy and sludge metal, but more of like a hardcore metal sound. I think that was closer to what they were doing yeah. at the beginning. Right, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Those are pretty enjoyable. 
but yeah, the lyrics, man, are so hard to get past, man. <laughs> it's like reading one of my high school like notebooks or something. <laughs> can you can you bring those like to the? Can you can you read some of your <laughs> never, never. <laughs> your your, di- your journal from high school? Yeah, this is what. It's yeah, like. we'll help you digitize it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Nice. Uh, well, let me. Uh, I'll play one other uh, clip. Um, this is the the intro to the song Fade, which which I've always really liked. Kind of reminds me of you know some of the more gothic things I listen to. I just like that you know simple bass intro. You know it always works and it always you know, sort of sets the the tone for you know for for what's to come. So I'm I'm a sucker for uh, for for that technique. Yeah, but um, well, overall, you know, I mean, I think it's a it's a solid album. Uh, it's one from from that era that that I, I can you know spend some time with uh, and enjoy. But you know, definitely, uh, you know, I don't think there's a lot of ground being broken here or anything. But uh, overall, you know, just a, a decent rock record from I would say a, a dark time in, in rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was uh, "Break the Cycle" by Stained. And now a word from our sponsor. Uh, this is friendship. Pure, unadulterated friendship. Are you a music fan? Love the album format? Want to show off your refined music palette? Join us on the Album Nerds Discord, albumnerds.com slash discord, to talk with like-minded nerds, suggest topics for the show, and get a sneak peek at what we're working on next. I'm Casey Kasem. These are the hits you're buying, and radio stations are playing from coast to coast. All right, so it is my turn, and I'm going to go with Alicia Keys, the uh, debut album Songs in A Minor, which was released on June 5th, 2001 by J Records. Why don't we jump into a funky little track, Rock With You. That was a tough one to pick a clip from because there are lots of really cool moments in that song uh but i wanted to get some of that in uh some of that funk in it was originally included in the 2000 soundtrack to the john singleton directed film shaft which i loved at the time it's a romantic ode to emotional fidelity you know rock with you let's hang out together and it harkens back to 1970s soul strings and flutes provided by the isaac hayes orchestra very nice original shaft soundtrack theme song so i really like that callback a little bit about alicia keys she was uh her her name is alicia augello cook born january 25th 1981 singer songwriter pianist classically trained composing songs when she was 12 signed at 15 by columbia records they were trying to make her into a dance track Hachi Machi Mama, she didn't want to do it. She wanted to write her own songs and be herself. Later signed with Arista and then moved on to J Records. I believe hers was the first album off of J Records. The three words I chose to describe this album, piano, beats, and keys. I mean, I don't know how she did this. I'm shocked, surprised, and intrigued by this album because I had never really got listened to it at the time. We'll talk about that more later. You guys, what are your thoughts? Well, my three words are consistently understated soul. I was pretty positive on this overall. I hadn't really heard it before in its entirety. I like her work in general. She put out some good stuff in the last few years even. 
Um, yeah, that was a kind of a cool, like it's sort of a throwback sound. Like it's your vocal approach sounds very 60s, 70s. Um, but you kind of have like some modern hip hop production style. Well, I can play be It's kind of, I guess, understated. She doesn't really go for it on any particular track. And the production is really stays in the background for the most part. But it's not really good. It just kind of smooth, smoothly sails by and, and didn't really grab my attention a whole lot. But, you know, the moments that did were, were really good. Okay, the uh, the three words I chose were uh, better than Beyonce. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, um, shots fired! I'm not really qualified to to say that, but you know, the most recent record I kind of listened to from you know from this genre, I, I guess, um, was that Beyonce record we did. Um, it's probably not fair to compare them because that Beyonce record was like different. this was this big you know production, and she was I don't know really you know stretching on that one. But I, I think I like Alicia Keys' voice better than than Beyonce. Just feels more natural and and soft. Um, I always feel like you know Beyonce is always just pushing it a, a little too far. Yeah, I, you mentioned kind of the like the understated nature of the album. I, I guess that's what I appreciated the most. You know, the production is is pretty simple. They're not putting too many layers on it. Um, her piano is is usually in there somewhere, and there's just like a beat underneath it, kind of you know like a, a hip hop treatment. But overall, it it's it's subtle, and I think it it frames her her voice well, and uh, you know really you know just uh, accomplishes something really nice. Yeah, I think. Um at the time, I just chalked this up to some, oh, it's a piano playing lady that they packaged and, and maybe she plays a little piano, but I, I believed that this was some ruse, you know, that, that her story was probably made up for record sales, you know, uh, and I think that was the problem with that time. Everything was so, I mentioned it before, packaged and, glossy and um don bringing up beyonce i mean i think about destiny's child and that's the kind of sound that i feel like columbia was trying to get her to do they kept trying to make her collaborate with people they kept trying to get new producers new songwriters she wanted to do her songs she and her uh, her partner carrie brothers went and got an apartment built a studio in it with pieces they could afford and started doing the songs that ended up on this record oh. She also had the chutzpah to uh, do a Prince cover on her debut album, and I thought she did a really great job. It's a lesser-known song by him. Originally called How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, she retitled to How Come You Don't Call Me. Why don't we uh, check out a bit of that? Yeah. She nailed it. Yeah, that is pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. And that that alone is pretty impressive. I mean, this again is a super long record. Yep. There are maybe three or four that could have been saved as bonus tracks on a on a reissue kind of a thing, but the fact that she you know, she graduated uh top of her class from a performing arts school at 16 years old, was doing this on her own, had her own style, her own, you know, she's from Hell's Kitchen. I've been watching a lot of documentaries about her interviews in 2020. She did some performances online. I think, you know, the pandemic thing when people were doing whatever they could to perform. And in her face and eyes, I saw a love of performing and making music that you don't often see. Like, this is a musician, not just a performer. And I was super impressed. Like I, like I said, I shrugged off everything 
that wasn't what I wanted in 2001. And I wish I had paid attention to this because it's really, really good. Uh, why don't we go with another song? We're not going to do Fallen, which went to number one the week of August 18th, 2001. And the reason this qualifies, but we're going to go with another single from the album, A Woman's Worth. So, she Aretha on this one, you know, a woman's anthem about, hey, you show me respect and I'll show you respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, it's really well written, well performed. Uh, it's a cla- I, I would call that a classic soul song. Yeah. Up with, a, up with the, some of the best. Yeah, I think it really stands out as you're going through the, the track list here. Yeah, she really carries that song. Her voice is awesome. Does it, uh, does it annoy you guys that only two of the songs are in A minor? <laughs> is that true? Yeah, yeah, I guess um, I think the Jane Doe song and I forgot what the other one was that, um, yeah, th- those two are in A minor, but none of the others are. I, uh, I guess, yeah. I never really thought about whether the A minor was used at all, but uh, nice way to railroad the whole it thing. would be it would be cool to do an album that was all in the in the same key yeah i suppose right. it's probably been done before probably mozart yeah. did it or something i was surprised there i feel like she should have called the record songs in the key of a like wouldn't that have been the, the key and yeah. the a in there together yeah second guess a multi-platinum <laughs> artist there you go what have you done son what have you done i'm on a, an award-winning podcast oh yeah uh, are you? yeah you are <laughs> What's it called? (laughs) Are you cheating on us? Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, one of one of the parts of her story that I thought was was really cool was uh, she was a teenager. She met Jeff Robinson. He was her manager. He took her to all the label meetings and stuff. But she learned the business and she learned how to produce herself and how to manage her business. And that's a good manager, man. Uh, but when you find someone that believes in you, you know, you can uh, do it your way and, and still have success. So, that being said, I am going to nominate this album. Oh, Ain Hoff Alert. Wow. Album Nerds Hall of Fame nomination incoming. For the reasons of an artist that did it her way, mm-hmm. classically trained musician with the soul of Aretha Franklin and, and, uh, Marvin Gaye and Roberta Flack, but then with the uh, innovation, change the face of of music, mixed hip hop beats with classical piano and uh, composition. So I think she changed the game. She shook up what was happening at that time and refused to be one of those one of those painted up ladies dancing around uh, in all of her videos. So. That's a yes for me, duh. Interesting, interesting. So you're saying this is like the Alicia Keys album in her discography? It is the Alicia Keys album in that it's the rawest and it the everything she did after that, she was already accepted. She had to fight to make mm-hmm. this record happen. Yeah. And you can the the sense of pride you can hear in her voice at times that she did it her way. I, I would say there may be technically better albums in her discography, but I think this is the one that uh, is Hall of Fame worthy. Boy, I'm torn. I'm torn. I definitely like her as a whole, as this album, Einhoff material. Don, what do you think? 
Uh, yeah, I, uh, I wish we could edit it. Like put, we could nominate like an edited version of the album. That's 45 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) Nominate these songs. I put, I frame it in the time that it is. It's impossible to have 79 minutes or whatever of all winners. Yeah. Yeah. I think because of the time period, you know, again, you know, what, what I consider to be sort of a dark time period, uh, in music. Um, I mean, this certainly stands out. So I, I think for that reason, uh, I'll, I'll vote yes. You gonna be a real man? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be the real man. I'm gonna say Andy? no. Um, wow. <laughs> put a vote up on the Elvenu's Discord, and I'll put it up on the website as well, Elvenu's.com. Cast your vote. Songs in A minor. I say no, but you, the listening audience, can can get Alicia Keys recognized for the Irish that she surely is. Gotta be true to yourself, man. Yeah, but, man, you just can't see a woman's worth, can you? <laughs> Typical Andy. That's it. All right, so that was Alicia Keys' songs. Well, two songs in A minor, but the name of the album is Songs in A minor. Okay, so 2001, top 40 hits. It was a a long trip, guys. What did we learn? Uh, Well, I'd say this is probably not the best way to explore a, a year. I mean, it was a fun exercise and I definitely, you know, I, I definitely learned a lot and got exposed to, you know, some good albums. But, you know, I mean, 2001 was so much more than what was in the, the top 40. Yeah. I mean, you're arguably missing all the good music <laughs> from the year. I mean, there's some things sprinkled in there in the top 40, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that this was a, a good exercise because it made me not go to the well to the things I normally go to. True. And I was trying to go to an Incubus album, but the particular song and the particular, because they had two albums charting around the same time, I couldn't get to it. But that would have been the easy way out. And I'm glad that it wasn't easy. And I got to enjoy a record that has been around for over 20 years. And I, I first listened to it for the first time a couple months ago. It was a pain going through those lists, but it was worth it at the end for me. Um, these are things, these are songs that people loved at the time. So uh, letting go of my what's good and what isn't good is part of what this show is helping me do. Finally, at this age, letting go of some of that music snobbery. So uh, yeah, there was stuff on there I thought sucked, but there was a lot of stuff that was in, that was fun to listen to that didn't make the show. So that's it for me. And that's One to Grow Up. <laughs> I mean, your destiny. All right, all you top 40 fans, gather around the old speaker box here and we'll uh, (laughs) get that Wheel of Musical Destiny out and give her a spin. See where we're going next week. Your musical destiny will take you across the pond. You will be exploring albums from the British invasion of the 1960s. 1960s British invasion. Oh, there you go, Donnie. God's looked favorably on you, my friend. Donnie Lakey. The Beatles, Rolling Stones. I mean, then the poppy stuff. There's probably some... Fabian. Fabian wasn't British. Are you sure? No. Like, 100%. Who am I thinking of then? Who did the fairy cross the mercy song? Gary and the Uh, Peacemakers. Jerry, 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 Hammonds, Hammonds, Peter Noon. I'm Henry the Eighth. I am Henry the Eighth. I am. I am. 
Okay, what's your favorite British Invasion album? What else are you listening to? Let us know. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com slash Discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com or leave a voicemail at 585-210-2454. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Album Nerds. And if you'd like to support the show, do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for listening to the Album Nerds podcast once again. We'll catch you next week with some 60s British Invasion albums. This is Brown, you called to lovely daughter. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. Later, haters. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs>